Sentire media. Hello everyone, you're listening to A History of Italy. Episode 83, Who are these Aragonese anyway? With David Cott of the History of Spain. In the last episode, we mentioned that the Spanish were starting to intervene in Italian affairs, and in particular we mentioned a certain Peter III of Aragon, who had married Constance, a daughter of King Manfredi of Sicily, who had been dethroned and killed by Charles of Anjou. At this point, I can hear you saying, Hold on there! You can't just go pulling Spaniards out of your hat and chucking them in the podcast willy-nilly. Where did these Aragonese come from? What were they doing here? Have you seen a six-fingered man? Well, if you want to know about Aragon, better to ask a Spaniard. It just so happens I know one. And it just so happens he has his own podcast on the history of Spain, which you should really check out if you haven't done so yet. Which you should really check out if you haven't done so yet. So, I shot a few questions over to David Cott of the History of Spain, and he very kindly took some time out of his busy schedule to answer me, for which I would really like to thank him. My first question was, I know that this will develop over many episodes in your show, but... Could you give us a general overview of the origins of the Kingdom of Aragon and bring us up to the mid-13th century and the Sicilian question? Hola Mike and listeners of A History of Italy. And thank you for having me in your podcast. And let me say this. To all the people affected by the coronavirus, especially from Italy or Spain, cheer up. And please stay home and listen to podcasts. With that said, I'm more than happy to give you some background about Aragon. Like Castile or Portugal, Aragon was originally a small county that functioned as a march. But while Castile and Portugal were founded in the 9th century as buffer zones and first line of defense of the Kingdom of Asturias in northern Spain, The county of Aragon was founded by the Carolingian Empire in the late 8th century, simultaneously with the Catalan counties of the Marca Hispanica. The county of Aragon was located in the northwestern part of the province of Huesca, next to Navarre, and it derives its name from the Aragon River, a tributary of the Ebro. However, the county of Aragon got rid of Carolingian control very soon and the Franks didn't put much effort in recovering it. Probably because the county of Aragon was located in the middle of the Pyrenees, in an area that was neither strategically nor economically important. That was both a curse and a blessing, because thanks to that, the Muslims barely ever raided Aragon. While the contrary is true for Castile. In any case, you have to imagine the original landscape of Aragon as a very mountainous and sparsely populated place, with no urban centers and only some dispersed houses here and there. 
It's important to note that the Aragonese were the easternmost Basque-speaking people at that time. And that's one of the reasons why the county of Aragon quickly became a vassal state of the kingdom of Pamplona, later known as Navarre. The relationship between Aragon and Pamplona was so close that in 922, Aragon was absorbed by Pamplona. So at this point, no one would have ever guessed that Aragon could become as important as it later became. And how did the county of Aragon become independent and gain the status of a kingdom? Well, that happened in 1035, as on the death of Sancho the Great of Pamplona, his possessions were divided among his sons, and Ramiro received Aragon. The size of Aragon was roughly the original. It hadn't expanded south at the expense of the Muslims at this point. But Ramiro annexed the region of Sobrarbe and the county of Ribagorza to the east of Aragon. And that formed the territory of the northern part of modern Aragon. From 1076 to 1134, the kingdoms of Aragon and Pamplona were again ruled by the same king. And this helped Aragon to expand south at the expense of the Muslims. During this period, the Kingdom of Aragon annexed Huesca and Zaragoza, the current capital of Aragon. But in 1134, Aragon and Pamplona were separated and almost immediately, Aragon sought to create a new union to survive. With the marriage of Ramón Barangué IV of Barcelona and Petronilla of Aragon. At this point, the county of Barcelona had established its supremacy over the other Catalan counties, and after three centuries of almost no expansion, the Catalan counties finally managed to expand westwards and conquer most of modern Catalonia. So it was a raising power like Aragon. This dynastic union united Catalonia and Aragon, and led to the creation of the crown of Aragon giving Aragon a window to the Western Mediterranean that will one day dominate. However, for the rest of the 11th century and early 12th century, the conquest of Muslim lands didn't progress much. And instead, the efforts of the crown of Aragon were focused on dominating Occitania, the region of southern France that has historically been very linked to Catalonia. There were conflicts with the House of Capet of France because they wanted to have access to the Mediterranean Sea and they still had the pretension to reconquer Catalonia, since it used to be part of the Carolingian Empire. The rise of a new Christian sect in Occitania, Catharism, was the perfect excuse for France and the Pope to call for a crusade and remove the Aragonese influence in Occitania. As you can imagine, the French and Crusaders were successful. But this defeat also provided an opportunity for the crown of Aragon to start a new era of expansion southwards. With the Almohad Caliphate disintegrating, the context was ideal 
for King James the Conqueror to take most of the Balearic Islands and the Kingdom of Valencia, which means that the Crown of Aragon approximately consisted on the eastern third of the Iberian Peninsula. The renewed strength of the Crown of Aragon also allowed James to sign a treaty with France. Recognizing the French lordship over most of the counties of Occitania, but forcing them to renounce their claim on Catalonia. After his long reign, though, James the Conqueror decided that it was a good idea to divide the possessions of the Crown of Aragon. Because what happened with the Carolingian Empire or the Kingdom of Asturias weren't sufficient examples of how that's always a bad idea. Peter III received the core members of the Crown of Aragon. The Kingdom of Aragon, the Kingdom of Valencia, and the County of Barcelona. While his brother James II received three of the Balearic Islands and a few counties that the Crown still controlled of modern southern France. In theory, James II was a vassal of his brother Peter III. But of course, he didn't like it, and he tried to get his independence. That's why we see the two brothers fighting against each other in the War of the Sicilian Vespers. Thanks for that, David. That brings us up to the time of Peter III. What can you tell us about this guy and the crown of Aragon? What were they doing coming on to the Italian scene? That's a good question, Mike, because it's necessary to understand why the crown of Aragon decided to expand eastwards to the Mediterranean. You see, Peter III had married Constance II of Sicily of House Hohenstaufen, the ruling dynasty of the Holy Roman Empire and important parts of Italy. As you already know, in Italy there was this conflict between the supporters of the Holy Roman Emperor and the supporters of the papacy, the Ghibellines and the Guelphs. A few years after this union, Charles of Anjou, with the support of the Pope, killed the father of Constance to bring Naples and Sicily under a cadet branch of the French House of Capet. However, Constance still had a claim to the Sicilian throne, and her husband used that claim to intervene in Sicily after the Sicilian Vespers. But before the Sicilian Vespers occurred, he already developed the Aragonese navy to build the pillars of the Aragonese Thelosocracy. I will say that Peter constructed a great fleet for two reasons. One was to keep the relationship of vassalage of his brother, and the other to fulfill his ambition of Mediterranean expansion. Peter III knew that the Sicilians hated the French. They hated the high taxes imposed on them to pay for wars that didn't benefit them in any way, and Sicilian nobles hated to have no saying in the governance of their own region. With the support of the Byzantine Empire and local allies of the House of Hohenstaufen, like John of Procida or Roger of Lauria, 
Peter just had to wait until the Sicilians revolted and present himself as the savior of the just Sicilian cause. The war of the Sicilian Vespers will only be the start of a long struggle to control Italy between France and Aragon, later Spain. We have the Italian Wars of the 16th century, the War of the Quadruple Alliance in the 18th century, after which the Spanish Bourbon dynasty still managed to establish several members as independent rulers in Italy. And only Napoleon managed to end Spanish influence in Italy in the early 19th century. This conflict between the two powers had major implications for the traditional foreign policy of the Crown of Aragon as well. Always more centered on the Mediterranean rather than extending further in southern Spain or in the New World. Thank you. Now, it will be not so much Peter himself who will be involved in the wars to come, but his children. Can you tell us something about them? Yes. So, Peter had six children. Four sons and two daughters. At his death in 1285, Peter imitated his father and divided his possessions among two of his sons. One was Alfonso III, and he inherited Aragon, uh, Valencia and the county of Barcelona, and he annexed the kingdom of Majorca too, and conquered the last Balearic island under Muslim control, Menorca. His rule was very brief, though, because he died in 1291. On the other hand, James II of Aragon first became king of Sicily, and after his brother Alfonso died, he became the ruler of the entire crown of Aragon and left his other brother, Frederick, as regent in Sicily. Nonetheless, that situation didn't last long, because the pressure of the papacy and the House of Anjou made him give up Sicily in the Treaty of Anagni. Mainly because the internal situation was unstable at home and James feared the French attacks. In exchange, though, the excommunication of James was lifted and he received the kingdom of Sardinia and Corsica, although that claim wasn't made effective until 1323. The conflict didn't end then, because neither the Sicilians nor Frederick accepted this treaty, and he secured the independence of his kingdom from both France and the crown of Aragon. That's probably a conflict that you can cover in another episode, but it's funny how Frederick got away with it. And it took several decades to reincorporate southern Italy into the crown of Aragon. With that said, thanks for having me, Mike. And to anyone interested in Spanish history, please subscribe to the History of Spain podcast. I leave the ending to you, Mike. Thanks very much, David, for your time and for coming on the show. Well, I hope that has given you all a clear picture of where these new players on the Italian scene came from. And next time, we'll see how things unraveled. Thanks to everyone for listening. 
If you want to listen to David's show, head on over to his website, thehistoryofspain.com, where you can find links to your favorite podcast players or look for The History of Spain directly on your player. There at his website, you can buy merchandise, support the show and subscribe to his newsletter. If you want to get in touch with us, remember it's hello at ahistoryofitaly.com to send in questions, comments, or share your experience. Tell us how your day is going, whatever you want. At the same URL, ahistoryofitaly.com, you can click through to our social media, or if you feel so inclined, support the show via PayPal or become a patron and access further content. Until next time, thanks very much to everyone for listening and arrivederci. Greetings, good people. Who are you? I am Peter of Aragon, your future king. Aragon? Really? Cool. Do you have the ring? What ring? And it's Aragon, not Aragorn. The one ring, the ring of power. Well, I have a ring. Lame! What about your sword? What about it? Well... Was it forged by elves using ancient magical art? Well, it's Spanish steel. Boring! Do you mean the elves that make the biscuits? No, stupid. How could those tiny elves make swords? I'm talking about probably big elves. What about the elves that helped the cobbler make the shoes at night? They were also small. Yeah, but they... All work together to make the shoes, you know, like a team building activity. Yeah, but they would have needed a flipping huge elf to hold the sword in the fire. They could have asked the cobbler. It was the least he could do after all the shoes they made. Mm, yeah, I suppose. Or they could have befriended an orc. No, that's getting silly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hold on. What about a house elf? Well, I suppose a house elf could conjure one up, but then he'd need a goblin to actually make the sword in the first place. Oh, yeah. Well, good people, if you have finished discussing the professional skills of imaginary creatures, I shall be on my way. Oh, are you still here? I am here and I intend to stay and be your king. Well, where is it you were from again? Aragon. Is that anywhere near Mordor then? Oh, for heaven's sake. No, no, it's not Mordor, it's Mordor. Mordor. Oh yes, that does sound spooky. Mordor. Mordor. So then, King Person, is it near Mordor? Oh, he's gone. Well, how rude. Sentire Media Hey, podcast producers and show hosts. Do you want to join a podcast network that celebrates all things Italian? 
At Sentiri Media, we understand the allure of Italy and its unique culture. Our devoted team of hosts and producers are all driven by their shared passion for Italy. And we work tirelessly to create the best lifestyle podcasts and content that will whisk you away to the very heart of Italy. With us, you can savor the mouth-watering flavors, get lost in the stories from the past, break down the cultural barriers, and truly immerse yourself in the vibrant traditions of this intoxicating country. If you have a great podcast idea or are already in production and would like to join Sentire Media, head over to sentiremedia.com, that's S-E-N-T-I-R-E media.com, and find out how to submit your show.